Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to Jazz's Travel. Hello everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of Jazz is Travel. This is a podcast series that explores jazz and creative music in all four corners of the globe, touching on cross-cultural projects, different music traditions, and much more through conversations with or about groundbreaking, innovative, and visionary artists. But this week, we're not going to travel through space so much as we're going to travel through time. You see, Verve recently released an incredible, recently unearthed Ella Fitzgerald concert from 1958. And the concert took place at the Hollywood Bowl and featured the First Lady of Song performing orchestral takes on selections from her seminal record, Ella Fitzgerald Sings, the Irving Berlin Songbook, with the orchestra conducted and arranged by Paul Weston, who also arranged and conducted the studio sessions. Joining us to talk about this amazing find, Ella at the Hollywood Bowl, now available for all to hear and discover, is Ken Drucker. Senior Vice President of Jazz Development at Verve Label Group. So fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. And welcome to Jazz's Travel. Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper. Super duper, come let's mix. Where Rockefeller walk with sticks. Umbrellas in their midst Putting on a Ritz Putting on a Ritz Hi Ken, welcome to Jazz's Travel Thanks so much for having me Ken, a grand occasion brings us together on this day To talk about a new release from Verve Records A previously unissued concert recording of Ella Fitzgerald from 1958 But before we get into that uh, Can you tell us a bit about the history of that very important link between Ella Fitzgerald and Verve? Well, essentially, Verve Records was started for uh, Ella Fitzgerald. It was started by Norman Grants, who uh, many people know started Jazz of the Philharmonic. He had a number of labels before Verve. Um, he had Clef, he had Norgren, and he managed Ella Fitzgerald. He was her manager. And in 1956, uh, she was coming out of her DECA recording contract, and he decided he wanted to do more with Ella than Decca was willing to do. And so he created Verve Records, uh, essentially, as I mentioned, for Ella Fitzgerald. And she recorded a few singles and then almost immediately started her great songbook series with the Cole Porter songbook. Uh, and the album we're talking about today is uh, the music from, uh, I think it came as the third in the series, uh, her Irving Berlin songbook. Uh, the album that will be released is titled Ella at the Hollywood Bowl. 
the Irving Berlin Songbook, and it documents a concert performance of Ella Fitzgerald's seminal album. Ella Fitzgerald sings the Irving Berlin Songbook. What is it that makes this original studio recording so important in, you know, the First Lady of Song's body of work? Well, the whole series really, um, the American, the Great American Songbook, as we call it now, hadn't been codified in that way um, before Ella started this series of songbooks, composer songbooks, Great American uh, songs, and so Cole Porter. Um, I forget which one the second one is. I don't, I'm not sure if it was Gershwin, but then Irving Berlin. Um, this kind of established the canon of American popular song, even though these were known as from Broadway shows and, and popular songs of the time, to think of it as uh, a great American songbook. This was relatively new, and this series of recordings by Ella, produced by Norman Granz, really created a framework for how we think about this music now. Uh, then I asked you this about the original studio recording, but what is it about this particular concert that makes it so special? Well, the fact that it, it exists. Um, no one knew that she had performed, you know, just to go back for a second, if we think about Ella's great live recordings, there are obviously the great studio recordings, all the songbooks, and we think about her great live recordings, Ella in Berlin. Um, they're usually all her recordings mostly feature a trio, the live recordings, a trio or a quartet. And it was never known that Ella had performed the music from the songbooks with the arrangements and the full studio orchestra, as we call it, uh, essentially a jazz big band plus strings. It was never known that she'd performed any of this music live. And so when we first found this tape, we were kind of shocked because it sounded uh, like the arrangements on the recording. When we went back and listened, of course, we confirmed that they are the same arrangements. And then when we started digging a little more, it turned out that Paul Weston, who had conducted and arranged the studio recording, was also there conducting his own arrangements at the Hollywood Bowl. And it wasn't just me that was surprised when we went, uh, the notes were written uh, the liner notes for the album were written by Will Friedwald, who is a great Ella Fitzgerald scholar, and I spoke to other uh, people who were very familiar with Ella's work. Nobody knew that she had even performed this music, much less at the Hollywood Bowl, and much less that it had been recorded. So just the whole discovery of this recording is very fortuitous um, and adds a whole other chapter to what we know about the songbook recordings, because then when I started doing more research, um, I got the the program and the, the Paul Weston archives um, had the original Hollywood Bowl program from that night. It turned out that the Irving Berlin uh, portion was only the second half of the concert. In the first half of the concert, she did the Cole Porter songbook with Paul Weston conducting. And then when we found the 1959 Hollywood Bowl program for the, that summer, it turned out that the next year she did the George and Ira Gershwin songbook with Nelson Riddle conducting the Hollywood Pole Orchestra. So there was more than just this single Irving Berlin night. It turns out there were at least uh, two other of the songbooks done. We don't have those tapes yet. <laughs> if they exist, we're going to look. But so it turned out that this was a, a whole, a very important piece of a performance history that no one knew about. That's amazing. Well, let's hope that those other tapes will also be found. But in the meantime, I'd like to I'd like to ask you a bit more about this this process. What actually goes into finding these recordings, and what happens when these recordings are found? 
So in this case, I, everyone has its own origin story, but in this case, it was the the estate of Ella Fitzgerald. There's an educational foundation uh, set up in her name, and those are the people that uh, are, are responsible for her legacy. And uh, the the people at the um, the foundation told us that they thought that there were some tapes of Ella from her time at Verve um, that existed in what had been, they were from Norman Granz's personal collection that had ended up uh, in the fantasy catalog, in the fantasy vaults, when Norman had a label after Verve called Pablo, and uh, another label called Fantasy Records purchased Pablo. And uh, Rich Rossman from the estate uh, told us that he believed that there were Ella tapes in this collection at Fantasy Records, which is now part of Concord Records. So there's a lot of labels swallowing up other labels. Um, and we contacted the, uh, we, we know the folks over at Concord, and we contacted them and said, hey, do you have any kind of listing of what's there? Because we think there, there might be some recordings from Ella's time at Verve. And sure enough, they sent over a, a spreadsheet with enough information that it was intriguing. And um, and those tapes were in uh, a vault in Los Angeles. And uh, my co-producer on the project, Greg Field, went over there with, we'd, we'd asked them, this was all during COVID, so it took a while. Oh, no, sorry, it was just before COVID. Um, getting the next tapes is what's been difficult. But getting, Greg went over there and um, found a bunch of the tapes uh, that we had identified on the spreadsheet that looked like they could be interesting. And um, and we had an agreement with Concord that we could listen to these. So we sent the tapes over to Capitol Studios. And Greg and I spent two days going through about probably 30, 30 or 40 reel-to-reel um, tapes that we had pulled out. We didn't know what was on any of them. And we just went through and listened to everything and documented what was there and took pictures of all the tape boxes. And in many cases... Uh, this one, I think, included, uh, these boxes had never been opened. So as I mentioned earlier, Norman Granz was Ella's manager. And I think in a lot of cases, if something was going to be recorded for either radio or just if, if the venue was going to record the concert, he asked that he and Ella get copies of those tapes. And that's probably what a lot of this is. So uh, the tapes, were, we, in many cases, we were opening up tapes that were, I guess, close to 60 years old, if not older. And uh, this is what we found. So we and there are other, um, was it two years ago at this point, um, the Lost Berlin Tapes album, that also comes from uh, that trip to Capitol Studios. Um, and we found many things. We'd like to go back into the vault and see what other tapes might be there. Maybe this Gershwin, maybe the Cole Porter at the Hollywood Bowl, but there are more things there. So uh, it was a very exciting find at the time, especially that neither Greg nor I, or it turns out anyone, knew that she had performed these, uh, this music of the Hollywood Bowl. And that's, that's how we found this uh, particular recording. Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak, and I seem to find the happiness I see. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Heaven, I'm in heaven And the cares that hang around me through the week Seem to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak 
The track you are hearing just now is Ella Fitzgerald's live take on Cheek to Cheek from the newly discovered live recording of a concert by the First Lady of Song from 1958, performing songs from her beloved Irving Berlin songbook album with a full orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl just months after this historic album was recorded in the studio. The full performance was mixed from original analog tapes by Grammy Award winning producer Greg Field. And here to tell us more about it is Ken Drucker in the second part of our Jazz Is Travel Conversation, coming up right now. Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak, and I seem to find the happiness I see. I may be sidetracking a little bit, but I have noticed that Verve uh, works a lot with animation artists to create new animation videos for older recordings, including uh, for some of the songs on this new Ella Fitzgerald record. Uh, can you maybe tell me a bit more about that? Well, sure. I mean, it's, it's a way we need to um, give people many different ways to access this music. And because we don't, unfortunately, have Ella here to uh, shoot a music video, um, and there's only and, and then many times like this, there's no video that goes along with the audio that we found. A good way to, to create uh, some sort of visual enticement or visual introduction to this music is to do an animation. And really, it, it comes out of necessity um, because she is she isn't around. Um, and, and that's how the animation started, and they've turned out to be great. The, these, the, the animators themselves, we found uh, many animators who were really inspired by this music and, and do some beautiful work. And we just feel that it opens it up to people who may not have checked out Ella Fitzgerald before. We're always interested uh, in, in creating new audiences. Uh, we know that Ella is very well known, but we also know that jazz in general uh, is listened to in general by a, a rather small portion of the population. So if we can find ways, I mean, I think you and I both know that as soon as people hear this music, they're attracted to it. So the trick is just getting them to hear it. And then people will do the work on their own to hear more Ella Fitzgerald. And these videos and the, these kind of music videos, uh, I think, really help in that process. Speaking about, let's say, introducing Ella Fitzgerald to a new generation, how would you introduce Ella Fitzgerald to someone who is perhaps younger, who has not heard of Ella Fitzgerald yet? Yeah, I think depending on, on their age and their musical interests and experience, there's something for everyone. Um, many years ago, uh, we did a, a CD called Jazz for Kids, and we put Ella Fitzgerald's um, Old MacDonald on it, which has just, it's an incredible performance with a big band. Yeah. Um, and that we got tons and tons of comment about the about the the album in general but about Ella's performance of Old MacDonald it was getting played in daycares it was getting played in schools um it was a great way to introduce you could just sing Old MacDonald and play Ella's version to explain what jazz is and what a jazz musician does to a melody or with the chords of a song to achieve what they achieve so for something like that um, you know, Old MacDonald worked great for someone who's never heard Ella Fitzgerald's either How High the Moon or Mac the Knife from, uh, the, from the Mac the Knife Live in Berlin album. Uh, 
they just can't believe that she's making it up as she goes along when she forgets the lyrics in that famous version of Mac the Knife. People just, they think either uh, that this was something practiced. They can't imagine that someone could forget the words to a song and then create what she created out of that. And the same thing with the scat on How High the Moon on that album. So I think for anyone's either age, musical interests, musical experience, there's some Ella uh, that is appropriate to introduce them to her. Yeah, speaking of jazz for kids, it does remind me that one of her first hits, uh, let's say, was a tisket a tasket. That's, <laughs> That's right. Really exactly. And yeah, she's, there's um, Old Mother Hubbard. There's actually a bunch of things. I think we did. It wasn't when I was here, but I think there is a full uh, album of Ella for kids. Yeah, that Old MacDonald and also just want a, a plug for Slim Gillard and his version of Potato Chips. If you know that, was very, very popular on the kids' CD. <laughs> right. Well, I know we're here to talk about, you know, Ella at the Hollywood Bowl, uh, the Irving Berlin songbook. Uh, and again, I recommend uh, our listeners to, to check that one out. But I didn't ask you this before the interview, but I also wanted to mention one of the things that Verve does and that is well received by audiophiles everywhere. And that is its acoustic sounds audiophile vinyl series and i wanted to uh, mention this because i understand that verve is releasing uh, an acoustic sounds edition of another beloved ella fitzgerald album that is ella and lewis that's right uh in that we're releasing both ella and lewis and ella and lewis again coming up later this year so ella and lewis ella and lewis will be released july 15th and ella and lewis again uh that's the double album uh, will be released September 16th. And, uh, yeah, they're going to sound, we, we, for that series, for the acoustic sound series, we, we cut lacquers from the original, uh, analog tapes. And, uh, Ryan Smith at, at Sterling Sound, who, who cuts all the, uh, all the lacquers in this series, just does an unbelievable job. And these things sound as good as they've ever sounded, probably better than they've ever sounded. Ken, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for having me. I'm putting on my top hat Tying up my white tape Rushing up my tails I'm dirtin' up my shirt front Putting in the shirt studs with class And I trust that you'll excuse my dust when I step on the gas For I'll be there Putting down my top hat Mussing up my white tie Dancing in my tail I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the amazing new live album Ella at the Hollywood Bowl, the Irving Berlin Songbook, available now on Verve Records. And I hope you will join me again next week for more conversations with or about groundbreaking and innovative artists. In the meantime, check out jazzes.com for more great content on jazz and creative music at large. And don't forget that if you subscribe, you get access to even more great content. Till the next time, this is Matt Micucci signing off. See you soon. Putting on my top hat, tying up my white tie, brushing off my tail.
the shirt studs 